We're in the Kintec studio. It's hour two of Canucks Central. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Yeah, and we are going to be joined by Don Taylor coming up in mm-hmm. a bit. And we were expecting some cuts today, too, by the Vancouver Canucks, and it made a few cuts. Nothing, you know, exciting. Nothing nothing too big. You shouldn't be too surprised by anybody sent down. Don't tell me Phil DiGiuseppe has been cut. No, he's good. Okay, He's good. good. Uh, the only players the Canucks have cut are Yushiro Hiranu, Chad Nuchuk, Matt Anderson, Dylan McPherson, Cole Shepard, Connor Lockhart, Ty Young, and Kirill Kudryatsev. So... Uh, the Canucks have sent those players to their respective organizations, I would including say, the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, probably the player that is most interesting out of those names, we talked a little bit out about him after the Young Stars tournament, is Kudryatsev, who's yeah. heading uh, back to the OHL with the Sioux Greyhounds. But showed well enough that it's like, okay, this guy's at least on the radar. Yeah. You know, and uh, that's all you can ask for out of a – out of a late round pick like that. We'll track his progress with yeah. the Sioux Greyhounds. Uh, all right. Let's bring in our next guest. He is uh, dealing with moles in his front lawn. It's Don Taylor. <laughs> Donnie and Dolly, Monday through Friday on Check TV 10 to noon. They're still there. Are they? <laughs> this has been two or three weeks we've been Jeez. talking about this, and it's just like I'm, I'm helpless. Like I said, my wife won't let me do anything. She won't. She, she, she still thinks they're cute? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She's anti-lawn. So I, I, I <laughs> our, our buddy Elliot Friedman said he made up some kind of like uh, cayenne pepper concoction to get raccoons out of his backyard. Is is that Ooh. something that could work? Uh, I'll, 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 I'm going to give Elliot a call then. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Does a na- do, you, do you have a neighbor who has a cat that you can borrow for an afternoon? <laughs> no, no. You see, the thing is that you can't because if, if I go to my neighbor and say, can I borrow the cat? Or like I think I talked about last week, the cat pooped. The, day, yeah. the, the mole's going to end up in his yard. Yeah. So he's not going to want he's not going to want to help me out there. Whatever I do, whatever solution I come up with is going to hurt him. So the neighbors usually aren't that helpful in these situations. Mm, yeah. That would be a really funny conversation, though, just like knock on your neighbor's door like, hey, can I borrow yeah. your cat for a night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm almost there. I'm thinking about it. I'm getting desperate. Yeah. Uh, there, th- that, that's a, that, there, there's actually a really bad champ episode in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. 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 No, no question about yeah, it. I'll, yeah. I'll get on it. Yeah. <laughs> So, so Donnie, um, I, I think you've covered a few preseasons or two with the with the Vancouver uh-huh. Canucks. Uh, is, is it always, uh, you know, like, is there? Have you ever through your career like gotten a, a time where you're like, maybe I need to stop, uh, maybe overanalyzing preseason to some extent? I, I guess so because the, the one thing that I realized back in the '80s, and this is a long time ago, you know, you go to training camp and you have, there's all these great stories there, all these up and comers. And so many times, you know, they know, and the Canucks management knows exactly who's going to be on the team, who's not going to be on the team. There might be a few surprises publicly, but basically they know. But um, this one's, this this one is, I mean, gosh, dare I say, guys, it's interesting. And I don't know if this is the way you were going, but not interesting, but frustrating. I mean, McKayev and Besser are, are both hurt. 
this is like like uh, two of their top six or the uh, forwards are, are hurt right now. It's just so Canuck at this point, you know, and losing the first two games, of course, but that's it's preseason. You accept that. But these two two players, key players get get hurt. My God, you know, when will it end? <laughs> it's always something, you know. And, you know, we were talking about the whole Brock Besser portion of it. Like, I think, okay, he'll be back and he'll probably play 70-some games. Maybe he gets 30 uh-huh. goals. But given that every time we've seen him have some issues or problems in the offseason, whether it's injuries or things going wrong for him, contract negotiations and all that mm. sort of stuff. And, and obviously, they're distractions. They don't allow you to get off to the best start. But we've seen that not allow him to get off to a good start. We've seen him struggle to find his game. It's, it's taken him a while to get going. So I just don't know if this is going to be the year, despite everything we thought, that we do see the absolute best version of Brock Besser. And it might still be a good year, but I just don't know if we're ever even we're going to get closer to that big question. What is tr- Brock Besser truly capable of? And I'm not sure this is going to be the year we find out. Yeah, and you, you think about the injury, Sat. It's it's his hand. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking about, like, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen to uh, someone who plays the piano? I mean, this guy is known for shooting the puck. And he hurts. He hurts one of his hands. You know, this is a fine instrument we're talking about. I mean, I, I, that might sound a little ridiculous, but no. But you're, you you're know, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. It's it, you know. I I would be less concerned. I, mean, I shouldn't say it. You know, less concerned with a knee, but something. You know, another part of his body. I mean, that this is his talent. Like he he, he makes a little. He has to skate. I get all that. He has to be you know reasonably tough to play in the National Hockey League. He has to think the game well. But his hands, shooting, it's pretty important. It's just really frustrating for everybody, but especially uh, for anybody who's a Canuck fan anyway. Uh, but especially, you know, Brock himself, when this year just looks so good. We, we talked about it a lot on our show, how everybody talks about 30 being the magic number for Brock Besser. He you know, hit 29 goals in his rookie year and how, how he's flirted with 30 or you know, if you prorate his production over 82 games, you know, he gets past 30. The most important number is that, is the one I just mentioned, 82. He's never been there. And, if, you know, if he plays 82 games, he probably gets 30 goals. He's not going to do that this year. Maybe he does get 30, but he's not getting 82, and that's really frustrating. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, like the the 30 part of this is – uh, where we all wanted to see Brock, and I think it's a big part of the Canucks' path to the playoffs is Brock having, you know, that type of season where we really see him as a frontline winger from production and everything else. And uh, you know, he hasn't missed a ton of games over the last couple of seasons—eleven games, really—in the last two years. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's fairly, uh, you know, not injury prone, but just feels like there's always something hanging over him, and that's that's the biggest worry here. But I. I I, I do feel there's an overreaction here because, you know, three weeks from today is game three yep. of the regular season. So there is a chance Brock misses, you know, four or five games and is, is back, you know, and still is able to play 70-plus for this team. Yeah. Can I stop you right there? Yeah. I've been following this team since 1970. When they say three to four weeks, it means five. <laughs> All right? And I looked at it, too, in yeah. Washington game on the Monday. If you want to go three weeks, yeah, okay, that sounds great. But it's the Canucks. It's going to be four or five. We all know that. And, and Brock, if you're listening, I'm, I'm sorry about this, but I have been following this team since 1970, the National Hockey League, and usually the worst, the worst possible scenario happens. And I, I did the same thing. Three weeks from today is that game against Washington. Great. 
it sounds good. Maybe he comes back just after that, and it's only three games. I, I, I wouldn't bet on it, though. I swear, Donnie, no organization says a player is fine and is proven wrong more than the Canucks in their history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe the Leafs. Maybe you know, the I Leafs. I don't know. Maybe, maybe <laughs> the Leafs. But I'm sure the Canucks are top three anyway. Uh, Don Taylor, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central. So, so what do you think happens in in Brock's absence? Uh, Garland goes up to the top line. Like, what 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 do you think happens here? Well, you know, no one's happy about this, right? Uh, in, yeah. in the Canuck organization, but maybe and, and Garland is an obvious candidate. Um, although they had thought, talked about him playing on the left side, but I would think it means some positive things. Uh, in an unfortunate way for Neil Huglander as well. Um, and, and, and I say that in part because Rick had talked with Jim Rutherford today, and we heard Bruce Boudreau talk about this on the weekend, that they have been impressed by him. We, we all know that he's always extremely fit, uh, came out near the top, at or near the top of the fittest testing in Whistler. So I would think that that combined with the fact that he, he hustled up there, he did things a little bit better defensively from what I heard, from what we heard. So I would think it would mean some, some positive things for him in an unfortunate way. And Garland, of course, would be the other obvious candidate. Yeah, and, you know, when I look at who benefits the most, I think two players will benefit. One, we don't know yet because there's going to be a forward mm-hmm. who's going to make the team that probably wasn't expecting to make the team. But mm-hmm. is anybody happier than Niels Hoaglander? That he is, unless something goes awry, he's going to be in the top nine for this team this season. And given how strong a camp that he had, it just seems like things may align for him to have a strong season now. And maybe one of the guys that benefits here with with Besser being out. Yeah, you just uh, see. I expected the worst for him in terms of yeah. uh, you know what was going on with his career, in large part because I always look at trends when it comes to teams and different coaches and. People uh, forget that, yeah, Bruce Boudreau clearly wasn't in love with him. And say what you want about him, he was let go. But Travis Green also, who was, you know, a, a fan of his early on, also um, w- didn't seem to be a fan of his at the end of his tenure with the Canucks. So it didn't, it didn't look good, but hey, maybe it's a wake-up call. We all know the talent's there. And, uh, you know, he, there's a spark to his game, but, you know, there can be an energy to his game, at least offensively. So, um, yeah, uh, that's a guy whose career, whose career with the Canucks anyway, is now given an opportunity to be resurrected. And not just because of Besser's injury, but the way he's performed so far. I know it's very early, but so far so good. Kind of felt like uh, Bruce Boudreau uh, handed Jack Rathbone the keys to the car last night. Like, hey, don't don't get in an accident, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, But like, you know, played 25 plus minutes. Um, it, it's pretty obvious Boudreaux wants to see, uh, wants to test this kid and see uh, just how much he can take this preseason. I've never seen him. I know he hasn't played a whole lot of games. He's not exactly an NHL veteran, but I've yet to see him um, look out of place at the NHL level. And, yeah. and I know uh, it was a preseason game. I, I get all that, but he certainly did not look out of place. And he, he looked like, uh, you know, somebody who could, carry the luggage offensively and and you you work that point. I know that's Quinn Hughes' job and and all of that, but he's never looked out of place, certainly not from a skating point of view. And the other thing I look for in a defenseman, which is an underrated quality, and Quinn Hughes has this, and all all the really good defensemen do it. I'm not saying Jack Rathbone is is there, but you you look for certain things in a defenseman. I think now more than ever, skating abilities is is right right up there. And, you know, a certain amount of toughness, although that's 
gone by the wayside a bit through the years. But the quality that I look for is calm and, and, and the calmness and, and the ability to look at a situation and not overreact. Just, just, just to be calm and cool out there, especially when you have the puck. And he's got that. Like he's really, he really seems to be calm and cool. Coaches love that when a player can just take a defenseman can take control and not panic, especially with the puck. And he, he's got that. I think, I think he's a, you know, a real gem, at least, at least so far. And I just think the fact that they've got him partnered with Shan is a good indication that mm-hmm. they. They're they're hoping for big things from him, not big things, but NHL things for him. Um, it was Shen who helped mentor. You know, Quinn Hughes would have made it no matter what. But I mean, it it was Shen who helped mentor Quinn uh, making his way into the National Hockey League. And I don't think it's any coincidence that they put Shen with him. And it's a good indication that they they want him around. They want him around. Want Rathbone around for a long time. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And you know, they really need him to step up in a big win. There is an opportunity, and and that's why you know a guy like Danny DeKaiser is here on the left side. There is an opportunity for somebody to emerge. And you know, what was funny. Dan and I joked about this on the post game show last night, and we were joking about it today off air. But Bruce Boudreaux. The, last night was was so kind in being critical of Danny Kaiser by talking about he's a, he's he's a big body veteran guy he got better but maybe he was a little bit nervous this guy's played like 500 NHL games he wasn't nervous about playing a preseason game he's just slow he just can't move around as well as those other guys can and even Rutherford today when uh, he spoke to Dollywall and he had the quotes he said well he can't not play in the NHL it it just seems like they're trying to be really nice about him looking really bad last night. I guess one game in, you, you probably want to do that. And, and we're all looking for him to, <laughs> we, as media guys, just destroy him, you know, like <laughs> yeah. send him out of town, pack his bags and all that. But one game in, that's, that's, that's not going to happen. And look, let's be honest. Um, and at, I, the situation was pretty similar in Calgary too. Obviously we focused on the game in Vancouver. We saw it on Sportsnet. Uh, you know, we, we listened to it, all of that. So, um, I just had a hard time judging that because I don't think it was a hockey game. It was a penalty fest. It, you know, it was so it, it, there was no rhythm to that game at all. So th- I think they keep that. I think they could pretty much know what they've got at Daddy DeKaiser. But it, it was hard to judge a lot of players just because there was no rhythm to the game at all. It was over-officiating. It's, um, it's an interesting spot there, though, right? Because you've got Dermot, you've got Rathbone, and... And DeKaiser, who can maybe be a penalty killer, I, I, I guess. But this is the thing about moving Quinn up to the top or moving Quinn to the right side yep. and having Oyet loading up with OEL and Quinn on one pair kind of leaves a glaring hole somewhere on D. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it also means that, you know, are, are you going to put that much, you know, OEL's got a few miles in the body. You're going to give him that much responsibility to, like, you know, I'm a coach. I look at that defense, and I'm putting those guys out every second shift. I'm exaggerating, but you know, th- th- it means they're going to be playing a whole lot. And look, it might not last. It might not last. I mean, I, I wonder if you know part of the reason is because they need someone on the right side, but uh, another reason would be because they want to make room for Rathbone. That him moving to the right side, and Quinn Hughes is capable of it, makes room for Rathbone on, on the left side. But if it's not working, if OEL and and, and uh, Hughes makes the rest of the defense too thin, then the experiment will will end. But I kind of see what they're what they're thinking with this. And and Quinn Hughes, we've heard him talk; he's all for it. So we'll see what happens. You know what I'm looking forward to uh, after watching the preseason game last night is Artur Solov's hype. 
the season in Abbotsford. That's what uh, I'm looking forward uh, to. Yeah, yeah. Rick uh, talked with uh, Rutherford today without saying you know, you know as much. The, they're they're pretty high on him, and uh, sort of uh, out of nowhere. I don't, obviously, they didn't know a ton about him, but I, I think they like him at least as much as uh, as Spencer Martin. Although it looks like, uh, you know, from all indications, Spencer. I mean, again, we're talking one game here. From all indications, Spencer Martin is going to be the guy, but certainly. Um, uh, Seelos will be the guy in Abbotsford at the very least, so it's a pleasant problem. So uh, I, I was watching today. Uh, who, who do you think is going to be the scoring leader in the NHL this year, Donnie? Okay, so <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> do you not? It, it just everybody talks. He's the top scorer. Well, do you mean goals or do you mean points? Because most people, for people who didn't listen to our show, it's a hockey term that I I, I have I've always had a problem with. He's the leading scorer. And throughout history, that means the most points. Well, then why do you call it score? It should be point getter or yes. points leader. That's what I think. Anyway, I, you know, any, anybody could disagree with me, but that's just a little thing that bothers me. I'll be okay if it doesn't change. I'll be fine. But, you know, just a, a terminology that kind of gets to me. Uh, Donnie, we always appreciate the time. Thanks for this. Anytime, guys. Lots of fun. Uh, there he is, Don Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, terrific as always. And good luck with the moles. Yes. Isn't isn't really improving the situation. Uh, you know what? On Arthur Silovs, though, and we'll talk more about this with Kevin Woodley on, on Wednesday, um, he's impressive. Yes. He's very impressive. And he's only played 11 games in the AHL. So this is a guy who hasn't had a lot of mileage yet. He played 10 games in the ECHL last year, but only 11 in his career in the AHL so far. He needs to play. But for a guy who hasn't played a ton, you see the technical prowess. You see the athleticism. And we've heard for a while now behind the scenes that Ian Clark loves this kid. But there's nothing really for us to report on that because he never played much, right? It was always like he's a guy that has kind of been lost in the shuffle a bit, hasn't had much opportunity to play. But a guy that the organization is high on, especially the goalie guys, because he has all the tools. And he's really put a lot of hard work in with the goalie guys. He did it with Sanford last year, and he's been working with Ian Clark. I'm really intrigued by what he can do in Abbotsford this year. It's essentially his job. Mikey DiPietro played well last night in Calgary, too, and you know he's going to have, have a say in this, and he'll get a chance. But if Artur Silovs lives up to some of the potential that the goalie guys believe he has, it could be a really interesting year in Abbotsford for the goalies. I am not a uh, goalie expert. Um, so it, it's... This is part of why I love talking to Kevin Woodley every Wednesday on the show is he can break it down and put it into uh, easy terms to understand what the goalies are doing and just the technical side of how they go about making saves. But there were moments last night where I just I stopped watching the puck and I was just watching Arthur Silovs. And yeah, his movements in the net, the way he was tracking the puck um just very smooth yeah and and athletic so uh, if you do happen to go to a preseason game and Arthur Silovs is playing or you get to watch him in Abbotsford this year just take a few minutes and like don't watch the puck just watch what mm-hmm. he's doing when when the Canucks are in their own end and it's it's fascinating to just kind of see how he moves, how yeah. he gets around, how he goes post to post uh, to make sure that he's always square to the puck. There's a lot of talent there, a yeah. lot of raw talent. So uh, it's it's I think he's a guy that under the radar could really kind of leap up this year and have a strong year. 
you know, if he gets that opportunity. And, you know, I even thought last night, and I don't know why I did this to myself, Dan, but I watched quite a bit of the game in Calgary mm. when I got home last night, and uh, not much to report on. It wasn't great. <laughs> it was a pretty bad hockey game. But so, but no, no, nothing from uh, Nils Oman. Yeah, I mean, there were some moments guys had or whatever, but it was a bad yeah. roster against a better roster, and you know how, how that kind of goes. But I thought Colin Dealey actually looked pretty good overall. I know he allowed three goals, and the third one is one that you know maybe wasn't great. Um, but I, I'm curious to talk to Woodley about kind of some of his progress and everything. And he seemed like he got a little frustrated at times, which makes sense. Not a great team. They had a lot of breakdowns and the other team's playing better. He's fighting for a spot and he's really motivated and all those sort of stuff. So I, I thought he got frustrated towards the end. But you saw a lot of power, which Woodley was talking about. Post to post, really fast, really big, strong, holds his ground well, good reflexes. I was like, you know what? Like The goalies actually looked pretty good last night, all, all things considered. So what you're saying is Ian Clark has uh, has the Canucks set up pretty well in the goaltending department. Yes, yes, that's what I'm saying. If there is, you know, one area to have a huge or, or at least a potential organizational advantage, like that's probably where you would want it yeah. because I mean Right now, it's 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 not working out for the Canucks because they have extra money on the books with Halak. They have extra money on the books with Braden Holpe. But let's just imagine a world where you get through this year and then next season you're spending less than $6 million mm-hmm. on your goaltending between Thatcher Demko and probably Spencer Martin. Yeah, That allows you to do a lot of other things with your roster because Ian Clark is able to develop guys into being – you know, uh, players for you, whether it's not like, you know, Hey, Thatcher Demko being an all-star Vesna candidate, but also like, you know, work with a sort of NHL mid twenties guy and get him to being a full-time backup at a very discounted mm-hmm. price. Yeah, exactly. And if you have somebody in the minors who's capable, yeah. then organizationally you're solid with your goaltending. So something to keep an eye on. We'll talk Every more team about that. Every wants three goalies. Yes, they do. And if you have if you have one on ELC, it's easy to bring up and down. doesn't require waivers. Yeah. That's the perfect situation. That's where Silov's is intriguing if he's able to put it together this season. And I, I think that might be part of, you know, DiPietro's uh, situation where he – would have liked to be maybe that third guy yeah. right now at the very least. Well, he played well, way more than DiPietro than Sealov's last year. Yeah, I mean, you go by track record and by experience, DiPietro should have the edge. But given the talent Sealov's has and everything DiPietro is angling to get out, it might be hard for him to beat out Sealov's as for the starting role. But they're going to play both goalies a lot. I mean, DiPietro is going to have a big chance. The other question does come down to what does it look like with a different goalie coach in Abbotsford? Curtis Sanford got hired mm-hmm. to go to the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, and the Canucks hired Marco Terenius, who's the uh, Finnish goalie yep. coach, who uh, worked with Igor Shosturkin some years back, has a very good pedigree, great reputation. Uh, and man, I'm hyped. Like Canucks are going to have 17 <laughs> goaltenders. Goal yeah, and, and you know, and listen, Shesterkin's super talented, but you know, he, he's credited for working well with a guy yeah. like him. And I, we we spoke to Woodley when he was hired, and he had a lot of glowing reviews. And obviously, Ian Clark's a big fan of his. That's why he's part of the organization. But still, a new person coming in. Yeah. How does that work? And all that sort of stuff. Good returns so far through training camp and development camp, and and the young stars and all that sort of stuff. But that's where th- this organization could have an interesting edge if things fall kind of align in that way. And I'm, I'm curious to get Kevin Woodley's take on Wednesday. And uh, also his assets, because I, I, I feel like goalies are better assets 
in season because teams, there's always one or two teams that end up in goalie injury hell, you know, and have to figure something out. So uh, if you have an extra one that teams can look at, uh, it always is helpful to maybe procure an extra asset in the future. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw coming up. We'll get into uh, the Nils Hoaglander effect and what to expect from him with Brock Besser out of the lineup. And, you know, on the note of Canucks lose both games yesterday and didn't look great in either of them, you expected that in Calgary, but should you have expected that on home ice where they clearly had the more talented team on the ice? We'll discuss that a little bit and what it potentially means. It's uh, Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, Canuck Central. It's the Kintech Studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star, 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 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. Uh, yes, this is a hockey show, Canuck Central. Uh, what would you? Um, what would make you as mad as Ken Dorsey was yesterday at the end of that Bills game, where he's just smashing everything? That was a real like good iPad. He just like obliterated. Tom Brady broke two, <laughs> so in a fitter age last week. That's so why he's the goat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he did one. Not t- I'm feeling pretty good about my Tom Brady, like with one foot out the door is not going to be yeah. a good experiment. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably, probably not. I mean, look at, I mean, he had nobody to throw to yesterday. You know, I, I, honestly, I think Brady will probably be fine as the season goes on. Buccaneers will be okay. pretty good. And honestly, I'm, I'm not I'm not predicting the demise of Tom Brady. Man, know, many man. of fools have done this. When, when you've got um, turmoil on home turf. I, I understand. It, yeah, like that. But it's not the first time he's had that turmoil. That can be stressful, man. But it's not the first time he's had turmoil. But it seems bigger this yeah, time. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. For reports. Yes, I understand what you're saying. All I'm saying is many people, every single person who's predicted the, the demise of Tom Brady for what? How many years has he played now? Tw- 23 years, whatever he's it is? like 45. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> Nobody's been right. No. I, I'm not taking a swing at that one. Uh, so what would make you as mad as Ken Dorsey was I'll, yesterday? You, if you saw me um, when the Browns blew the lead against the Jets, <laughs> it wasn't too far off. See, uh, see, it's it's a good thing that I that I appreciate things of value. Like mm-hmm. I appreciate where I live. I appreciate mm-hmm. the things I bought from my place. So I wasn't gonna trash my own yeah. place. But that that's kind of how I was feeling. I was I was I wasn't too far off where Ken Dorsey was, like, spiritually. Sats, like, picking up vases and then, like, oh, I can't. Oh, this is too nice. Yeah. I spent too much money on this. Uh, silver and black Canuck, I was Ken Dorsey tenfold on Sunday. Hashtag Oof. facts only. Yeah, poor Raiders. Their season's over. Yeah. 
three weeks in, your season's over. That's got to be a rough, big trigger. Rough. 0-3, man. I mean, Kind of like the Canucks last year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude. I mean, I'll, even even the Browns, like I was mentioning this in, against the Steelers. You guys laughed at me. I'm like, if they lose against the Steelers, your season is over. Mm-hmm. Because they can't afford to lose two gimmies, which they needed early in the season, and, and make the playoffs later. And Damn, it's rough. My you can't wor- lose like that. My worst take of the year was that the AFC West is going to be uh, on four great teams. <laughs> I mean, at this point, it's t- it's going to be tough for the Raiders to catch the Broncos, and the Broncos yeah. are a mess. I will say this for all the- we're we're mocking the Broncos a lot. They're two and one. They're two and one, but their defense is good. Yeah, like what's getting lost is the main story. There is like they have a really good defense. But anyways, uh, sorry. Yes. Yes. Uh, the point was, what makes you as mad as Ken Dorsey was yesterday? Injuries. I feel like Canucks fans would say injuries. Um, referees. Canucks fans would say referees. Yes. <laughs> uh, league rules. <laughs> cap recapture for only the Canucks. Everybody else somehow finds a way to skirt cap recapture penalties. Yes. Although the LA Kings, I think, have Mike Richards still on the book for like a long time. <laughs> yes, they do. They still have. They still have a lot coming up here. Um, like those are those are kind of the things that make you as mad. As uh, as Ken Dorsey was yesterday, I'll say for me, uh, as I've been uh, really on the the golf train over the course of the summer, getting a green in regulation and three putting for bogey, those least favorite things in the world. I Josh went, knows. I went golfing with Reach uh, last week. It was a par five. I was on the green in two. He was putting for putting for eagle, eagle, and mm. I three putt and got a par. And it was like a 15-footer, too. Yeah, it was makeable. And then the birdie was even more makeable. <laughs> and I messed that up. Uh, yes. That's pretty triggering. Like, that's when you want to, like, break the putter in half. Yes. Yes. Um, I would lose my mind, too. But I don't, I'm not good enough at golf to care. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm just not good enough. So I don't get worked up at that's it anymore. Right. I don't know. Um, I'm, 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 I will, I'm going to respond to one text. Okay. Who's saying they want it, they'd rather hear the Jays game mm-hmm. than hear us talk. Yeah. When we talk about the Canucks, we do better than the Jays game. Yes. Just FYI. Yes. So you're saying, you know, even Canucks fans don't want to hear about the Canucks right now. I'm tired about hearing about the Canucks. Canucks fans still want to hear about the Yeah, game. that was a good impression. <laughs> it was good. I thought it was strong. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Aaron Judge's chase for 61 is coming up. I uh, hope he doesn't get it. At 5 o'clock. There, I said it. I, I hope Aaron Judge is into a slump the rest of the season and doesn't get the record. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't want to see it. It's, it's not the real record anyways, number one. And number two, everybody's droning on endlessly about this. How it's this the great achievement. American League record. <sighs> Give me a break. Whatever. American League record. Big deal. <laughs> Why? You wouldn't want to be a part of history? American League history? It's like having the most goals in the Western Conference. Great. Say uh, it was the final game of the season and Connor McDavid was sitting on 199 points. You yeah. wouldn't want to... Connor McDavid? Yeah. Be he got pun- to 199. <laughs> no, uh, he got to 199 points. So this is a theor- it's a hypothetical. I'm trying to make it Vancouver focused. Um, let's say Connor McDavid is coming to town, uh, final night of the season, game 82. He's on 199 points. You wouldn't want to be all over that at Rogers Arena? Like you that, wouldn't pay yes. hundreds of dollars? That, to- yes, but this isn't the real record. Like this is, he's not going to be the, this is not the, he's not the home run king. He's not. It's Ro- still Barry Bonds for you? I'm sorry, he has the most home runs, doesn't he? 73. 
It's not the real record. Unless you take that off. He's, yeah. so you gotta, the real record is Aaron Judge. How about that guy who had like 10 more? Yeah. Ah, that one doesn't count. It's still the record. The Mark McGuire seasons don't count? Mm. I mean, they, they they count. They're just they're good seasons. I, I just don't think this is like this the best be like saying season Gretzky's ever. seasons in the 80s don't count because the game was like I didn't say they don't count. I don't, back I don't care about it's not It's not the record. It's not a record. I'm so, he's not going to be the home run king. Hmm. Am I missing something here? <laughs> did Barry Bonds hit 70 home runs or not? He did. Okay, then. <laughs> He's not going to have the record. And, and okay, I'm not accusing Aaron Judge of anything. Is this Leafs Nation making a big deal out of Austin Matthews scoring 60 when Pretty other people much. have done it in the More last or less. decade? In Yankees, it's the same thing. Exactly the same thing. It's great, great comparison. But, I mean, how do we know that baseball, the game that is the most corrupt game of all the major sports, the game is built on cheating. They have a thing called stealing second base. Yeah. They steal signs all the time. They're constantly putting like oil on and like Vaseline on their necks and stuff and trying to change the spin of the baseball. There's always you're always trying to get an edge by cheating in baseball. It's, it's always been that case. Yeah. You're telling me that the players now aren't doing anything? They're, now they figured out to be clean. Nobody's doing anything shady in baseball. No one's taking anything in baseball that they probably shouldn't be taking. What was it a few years ago? Spider tack <laughs> pictures yeah. were using. Garrett Cole got really upset that he wasn't allowed to use it anymore. Yeah. And then he sucked for a bit. Yeah. So now he's just figured something else out. Coincidentally, Hunjin Ryu got a little a little very bad <laughs> there, when that went away. There was a few pictures who were just like, Oh, I'm not allowed to use this anymore and now I stink. Oh, this is a problem. Somehow Justin Verlander's still great though. Yes. Through, it, through it all, Justin Verlander <laughs> figures it out. Uh, all right, so there's a sat rant That's, for you. All today. right, just get that out of the way. You good? It just drives me nuts. You good? Yes, I'm good. You're okay? S- yes, I just hope he doesn't get the record. <laughs> so, um, Nils Hoaglander. We haven't talked about him a ton today. Focused a lot on Besser in the first segment. Focused on Kuzmenko a little bit and how the power play opportunity opens for him. But... Where would Nils Hoaglander best fit into the top nine now mm. that a spot is available for him to start the year? I, I Two spots make sense. Really, only two spots available. I don't think they're putting in with Miller. It's either playing with Pedersen or it's playing with Bo. Yeah. Those are all the only real two options that you have. I haven't seen enough from Mikheyev because he played, what, was it half the game and then yeah. went out in his preseason or whatever. So I'm not married to the notion of keeping Pedersen with um, Mikheyev, but you kind of want to have see a line experiment. Kuzmenko, Pedersen, and Hoaglander. I mean, you would hope it would generate offense. You would hope, uh, like Hoaglander does have experience playing on the right side, so he could play right wing no problem, even as a left shot. Hoaglander's a guy like you can kind of stick him with anybody, you know. So I'm not too worried about it, but I would most prefer to see Hoaglander with Pedersen. I think, yeah. I, I I think that's the best spot for him, for Hoaglander. Um, and then you could go Pod Colson, Horvat, Mikhaev, assuming Mikhaev is healthy. So if the coach is, isn't keen, as keen on Hoaglander quite yet, I'd rather just keep him on the Horvat line and right. then just try to maximize every opportunity there for that Pedersen line. Because the Pedersen line is going to be the line with the most offensive potential. Mm-hmm. We know the Miller line should be the, the one that does provide the most overall. But yeah. Pedersen is the one that has most upside to it. 
they had one shift last night where they really flashed some creativity. Um, they didn't get a ton because obviously Mikhaev didn't play the whole game, but that's going to be an interesting spot for, for Nils Hoaglander. If you wanted to like, you know, blow up the lines and like build them from scratch, like maybe you could go back to Pearson Horvat Hoaglander. But again, I wouldn't split up Pearson and Miller at this point. Uh, so who, who has the inside track for that 13th forward spot now? Uh, it probably is your boy. Phil Di Giuseppe. Yeah. Probably is. Like, who else is really a candidate to knock him out? I mean, I guess Will Lockwood, but I don't know if he's done enough quite yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, <sighs> Sheldon Dries does provide a little bit more offense if you would want that. Played well last year in whatever cameo he got. It's not very exciting, but, I mean, we're not really in an exciting spot. I think what would be, like, what I don't expect is one of the younger players to get that spot. Mm -hmm. Like, it would be a shock if Linus Carlson ends up as the 13th forward. I don't think there's really a realm where that makes any sense at all because you want him to at least be playing in Abbotsford. I think the same goes for Nils Oman, you know, just let him play in Abbotsford. You know, if he's going to develop into a defensive center that you can potentially grow into being like a fourth liner type, then just let him go work in Abbotsford, get used to the North American game and see where you're at in a little while from now. But 13th spot, it's got to go to one of those veteran types like uh, Di Giuseppe or or Sheldon Dries. I would say they're the most likely. Yeah, and you know, Sheldon Dries gives probably the most versatility mm-hmm. because he can play an offensive role if need be on the power play. Maybe the PK can play center, can play wing. But that's what he brings, versatility. What's the edge he brings? And I think what you want to have is what is what is something extra somebody brings here? Because what is Dries bringing that you don't already have? Dickinson can play center if you need. Lazar yep. can play center if you need. And you have those options to move things around. Even Dakota Joshua is a guy that you can play down the middle if need be. So you have a lot of options there for you to do those sort of things. So I think it kind of does come down to who can provide a little bit of something. Mm-hmm. Is it somebody with some offensive flair? Would it be a Carlson type if he's good enough yet or whatever? Or is a guy like Philip, Philip, Philip DiGiuseppe? And I'd say he's probably the favorite to claim that spot. Look at us on the same page, huh? Look huh? at us. Who'd have thought? Di Giuseppe on the, uh, uh, as the Canucks 13th forward? Uh, Scusi. <laughs> I manifested it, and now it has happened. Um, okay. So, yesterday, if you want to, like, preseason hot take it, Canucks put out a mostly NHL roster against Calgary on home ice, and don't look good they don't control play uh there's like some moments and they picked it up towards the end tied it and uh losing overtime and on the flip side calgary with their closer to main lineup on home ice against a ahl roster mostly ahl roster that the canucks sent out there uh you know handled things quite easily Mm mm-hmm is is there anything to read into that like, did you want to see more of the up-tempo style that the Canucks hoped to play with 
in night one of the preseason with Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench? So if I knew exactly what that looked like, how they want to play, I'd yeah. say, yes, I want to see it. But we don't know. They, they say stuff like, we want to play with more structure, be better like this and unlike that. But we don't know exactly what it looks like. They had them give us, giving us a real descriptor of what they truly want to see. Because when Boudreaux was asked about it, he's like, oh, we just got to make better decisions. Be harder on pucks, essentially, is what yeah. he said. And then we hear Rutherford talk about it. He, he still goes back to structure and how to get out of your own zone and all those sort of things. So we're not quite sure what that should look like. But when I hear that or I see that quote, what it makes me think is Rutherford has a real clear idea of what he wants to see this team do. Mm-hmm. And he didn't see it on that night. Now, for me on the outside looking in and the preseason is preseason and it takes time for these things to ramp up and that ramp up usually doesn't happen until later. And that's what the best indicator of it. But, you know, if you take it at face value, you read it as there's something he wants to see this team do that they haven't yet done. So uh, to clarify the quote, uh, Rick Dollywall uh, posted it today. I did not like our pace last night from Jim Rutherford, president of Hockey Ops. I did not like our pace last night. I think a lesser talented team outworked us. I would like to see our puck pressure better, forecheck, force errors. There are still jobs up for grabs. Uh, so it, yeah, it's it's an interesting quote. Again, it's like I, I just have a hard time with it being night one of the regular season to really get overly up in arms about it because it's also like it was still a 50-50 roster, like 50% of what your NHL team is likely to be and 50% of guys you're just taking a look at or throwing. Like Cole Shepard played last night. He's cut today. Yes. You know, so – like there was guys they were just throwing out there to fill the lineup. Yeah. Essentially. Um so can you really expect them to play the style that they want to play when they're not playing with the roster that they will likely be playing with on night 1 of the season? Fair enough, but as far as that puck pursuit and that puck pressure, I think that's more of an identity thing. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to expect that in the preseason. You know what I mean? So I just don't know. Like, I have such a hard time. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw Garland like, playing last night, you was, know. like He was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible last night. And and, and I was just kidding. Like, I'm, I'm not mad at Garland. I don't think he's going to have a horrible season. But, man, was he bad. I can't get over how bad he was last Look, night. My line is for Garland <laughs> in the preseason, uh, Connor Garland cannot play at 70%. He no. has to play above 100 or nothing. There was that <laughs> sequence. Um, it was on the power play where he bobbles the puck makes a bad pass, gets out of his own zone, and then gets beat to the puck to try to retrieve in his own zone, and then tries to pass it back to Rathbone, makes a horrible pass, puts him in the corner, and then he messes it up again. Like, it was, it was, it was really funny, actually. Uh, that's a good way of, that's a good way of putting it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I get why the, the quote is getting a lot of hype, but it's also still... Well, very and, early in preseason. Yeah, and usually usually what you do see is management will watch a game more critically. Mm-hmm. And the coach has different things to, you know, messages they want to get across. And, and Bruce isn't going to come out and, like, t- throw daggers at his guy in game one of the preseason. So what he said was, you know, I, credit to them for sticking with it and, and playing hard towards the end and forcing a result, which they did. And I think to Rutherford's point, it was like, if you guys played a little bit, you know, harder, you wouldn't have to try to do what you guys did towards the end or whatever. But, yeah, I have a hard time getting too worked up over over preseason quotes and the first preseason game. Uh, it's Canucks Central. Uh, people have some thoughts on your your uh, your judge rant. 
I'm with Satin. Baseball always finding ways. They didn't do blood testing in the 1920s, telling me they wouldn't have offered something to Babe, Ruth, and gambling back then. Hey, listen, all I'm saying is baseball's been a game. If you go through baseball's history as well, and despite what people might think, I I'm a I love baseball and I'm a baseball historian to some extent. I'm here to fight for Shoeless Joe Jackson's spot in the yes. Hall of Fame, okay? But if you go through baseball history, yeah, performance enhancing drugs, the greenies back in the day, they would mm. pop amphetamines. That used to be a huge part of baseball. A Netflix documentary on uh, what's his face Dro- dropping acid, it's a, and yeah, throwing a exactly, no-hitter. exactly. <laughs> Um, spaceman, yes. <laughs> Bill, yeah, Bill, the spaceman lead. But there's so many things that's happened in baseball, and you know, so many cheating scandals, so many th- things. Like it's part of that game to find an edge any way you can, and it's frowned upon and all that sort of stuff. But it's always been part of that game, and I refuse to believe that we're living in in a time where nobody's trying to get an edge in via cheating in baseball anymore. Like, have they figured? We just had the base, like the Astro scandal. They're using technology to cheat. How many scandals have we had in baseball about cheating? Yeah. Like, come on. Just a few. Remember Ryan Braun? Yes. <laughs> I remember I remember Ryan Braun. With the uh, sabotaged urine sample. sample yeah. <laughs> Who was the guy? I think it was, uh, um, there was, I forget which player it was, but they had like the, the Wizinator. Yeah. Which was like a, a device that which, which looks like a male part. Mm-hmm. And it, has fluid in it which is not yours but i think a baseball player got caught doing that great name for it wizenator yeah i think it's what it's called well the funny thing is like um you know if you think to uh ben johnson right in in the olympics uh, it wasn't that he was like now he'll talk about it and he'll say you know it it wasn't that i was not doing it, but I was just shocked that I got caught because my regiment was so was was in place. Yes, to the point where I knew I wasn't going to test positive no matter what. Exactly. So I knew somehow, some way, somebody messed with me. Yes. Right, and that's that's kind of the the whole story about it. But and then there's Carl Lewis, who of course was also. Uh, in on it but anyways yeah every, listen uh I, I i'm not i don't like i don't condone anybody taking steroids mm-hmm. i don't like cheating i don't like performance enhancing drugs but a sad reality of professional sports is these things happen and they yeah. still happen and they're happening in different ways it doesn't look the same we don't know about it well it's more but like this been going on it's forever. more like where you draw the line yeah right? like what's illegal and what's not because what these athletes go through, whether it's 162 games of baseball, 82 games in the NHL, 17 games or 18 games in the sorry, 17 games in the NFL, uh, all, all the games we watch soccer players play twice a week for yeah. like 10 months of the year, um, like what's illegal and what's not? They they use stuff to get through the year to maintain their body weight, to maintain their muscle mass while they're putting all this out on the field. What's illegal and what's not, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that's the way I would look at it. What are you okay with them doing? And what are you not okay with them doing? Because they definitely take some kind of supplement to maintain their athletic ability through the course of a season. And, uh, and there are drugs that, you know, there's some people take for focus, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And where do you draw the line? You know, and that's where the amphetamines kind of come in. It focuses you in or whatever. And yeah, you well, get a better Adderall edge. In the NFL. Adder- exactly. So, I mean, 
where do you draw the line to your point? Yeah. And and what is what is the type of cheating you would want to put an asterisk next to and say mm-hmm. this 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 record doesn't doesn't exist or shouldn't exist? And what what do you say is acceptable? And like okay, we can still we can still acknowledge that record or not. And that's why I'm just so over this real baseball record stuff. And that's why I don't want Aaron Judge to get it. Uh, we're on three to five again tomorrow here on uh, Canucks Central, and of course uh, we'll have coverage through the course. Of the week, Canucks' next game is Thursday at Rogers Arena against the Seattle Kraken, another preseason affair. Canucks practicing tomorrow, so we'll likely have an update on Ilya Mikhaev and how they manage the injury to Brock Besser. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. You've been listening to Canucks Central.